You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If it's Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Erev Tishabov in a sense, this must be Rishadaraisa, our final show for season five. Tugabas, no, Rabbi Yosef, that uh, Yosef Gariel Bechofer, that our, our final show should be on the, as the Horvin approaches, right? And hopefully the Guva, but yeah, hopefully uh, this season was not a Horvin in itself, but we've asked our listeners to respond to us uh, and send us their comments so we can somehow end off the season with, I guess, a little bit of a reflection, not just, you know, shoot back like we do with each other and try to out-argue each other, but sometimes to actually hear what you're saying and to take them to heart and maybe become better because of it. Uh, obviously, uh, it's a, a, a good sentiment, I believe, on Erev, Erev Tisha. Definitely been criticized for sometimes uh, going off topic, of not staying properly in what, what, what the subject is supposed to be. Uh, we have been uh, criticized uh, for uh, not having proper knowledge of the subject. And there were many times there were uh, as in the David Weiss Halivni episode, where uh, we didn't even know of an essential part of his of his oeuvre and of his writings, um, and part of it, of course, is the fact that the two of us have other lives besides being uh, seeing each other in this fashion and this form every year of Shabbos. So there's other things that we're doing, and yes, yes, great podcasting and a great program is possible, like all great things, with a lot of preparation and mea culpa that we could probably prepare better but i'm going to blame you because you never have time and you say let's just do the show we'll just do the show off says when he gives his chubas he says i will write the rambam the person should be a person uh should uh uh Normally, people learn that means that person should not respond so quickly. He says the opposite. A person should respond quickly if ain't on have a roeg. And he's not frightened and trembling because of questions which are going to deceive him. Immediately, he's going to realize his mistake and he'll be able to respond immediately. Without any question, and what what does that mean? He says, "There's no end to pilpul. Every person can respond to anybody else's time given enough time, and the other guy will also be able to respond to the other guy given enough time. And everybody has the abbas and itzuach. They don't want to give up. They want to. So there, there he says, Omra kadmonim. The Gemara says, Well, so normally the taich we give that is that we are like a finger touching the wall." What we could take off a little bit of powder, that's Vesvara. Right? So Khan Sarif says no. It says Kira Shaiva. It's uh, it's wax. And he says uh, that just like a, you put a finger in a wax, you can twist it any way you want to shape the wax as much as you want. Here so to the Svaras of Achranim, they're not strong and they're not sustained because everybody can distort a svara this way or that way as a place of Libakhopit. But if miyad ul altar immediately without any zbaynus, a person finds a response to the svara of his um, antagonist. That shows us that this is the uh, true thought, which uh, which precedes any sophistry, 
and that is the true emes, right? So therefore, he, he um, it's like to which is more believed because it's not based on strategies. So the is saying in his truest, he follows what he got the musko rishon without any thought because once you start thinking, you start twisting. So that is our. Uh, well, I'm I'm happy that you feel that you're channeling some sefer. Of course, the fact that right. However, let us at least admit that the Chassam Sefer's knowledge base about the, the subjects that he might have been responding to on the, on, on the flip of a, a dime or whatever it is, were a lot deeper and more penetrating and probably more expansive than the two of us. I'm not saying that we're Katla Kanyabagma, but there might be subjects that we decide to talk about that, what, that aren't necessarily the sugyas that we've done uh, in the last couple of days or a Shaila in halacha that we at least have worked with. I, I would, tr- again, I would say, I would, I would, resp- I would trust you in an Arab in Shaila, even though you're, you didn't take a long time to be misbeining, because there's a wealth of information that you, that you know, and you're familiar, and therefore, you're right, even in a psychological way, the Chassam Seifer is correct, the first response is probably an indicator where your Natiyas are, where your Ragashim are, what sort of person you are. But again, I'm happy that we can use, I think we still have to say mea culpa for pretty much saying, yeah, let's talk about that. Who knows? We, we could probably talk about anything. On that note as well, I, have, uh, I want to respond to someone who said that they felt that I in particular was someone that casts negative lights on things unnecessarily. Um, I, I, it's, it's hard for me to, to believe that. Again, I, I understand they only heard one or two shows, but I would say that I definitely try to bring out the better part of myself. Um, and sometimes, because things aren't written out, because it's unscripted, it does sometimes seem as if the criticisms that we offer uh, sound, in a certain sense, a little bit cruel and unthinking. And maybe that's something that we should perhaps work on, and I'm willing to, to say that. Uh, another crit- criticism I received was, and this goes together with the positive, the, the people who enjoy our Abel's and Hyman commercials, um, there was someone who felt that, especially if you're talking about a serious subject matter, uh, to do a segue into something about, uh, you know, about pastrami, uh, uh, when you're talking about something very serious, is in a way demeaning to the subject matter that you're talking about. I have to tell you that um, in, in this business of podcasting, uh, you know, you can hear from the King podcaster himself, Ben Shapiro and others, that often what they do is uh, do these segues and they segue in ways that are meant to actually uh, bring out a little bit of humor. Uh, because yes, you're right. It, there's no way these two subjects are in the same boat. There's no way that the Paraduma is any way similar to the, uh, the Hashivas the Paraduma is no way similar to the succulent sausages of Abel's and I. I agree. However, I have a karasatov to this company that does allow me to do these podcasts, and I believe I owe it to them to be uh, to, to be a spokesman for them. Um, I'm not working there today, so they're closed today, so I'm not going to be doing a commercial for them, but I, I understand, and I think that's really the nature of all advertising. If you listen to old-time radio, I think you get the same sense. Uh, there, we don't break for a commercial. We try to segue. 
and I'm and and, and I think most of the people who have responded felt that yeah, the commercials are a good part of the program. They're happy with it. In fact, they come up with ideas for the commercials. I think I even get you thinking about what you'd like to do on the commercials as well. And I always appreciate your input, especially since those are sort of spur of the moment. Okay, let's now, the rest of the program, we're gonna to dedicate to actual, I'm gonna be reading the actual uh, critiques uh, that people have sent. And these are people that we uh, were going to not tell you their names. I'm going to just refer to one as, um, as Gabe and the other as Usher. So Gabe and Usher, that's not really their names. Here's Gabe's comment. This is really going on the, uh, the episode that we did uh, about Schwab and about Balpaor and Balfour. So here it is, uh, a letter to us. Number one, if the publishers were wrong to publish the offending thought, as both you and I said, which Schwab himself might never have approved of doing, which I said, are you not guilty for the same by discussing it on the podcast? Well, this is what Gabe uh, decided to, that's point one. All right, I was pretty surprised by the comment, actually. Uh, and, and I don't understand his comment. You understand it? It's in the book. Right, but the book is not necessarily a bestseller everywhere. Now we're going to hear hundreds of people or thousands of people that listen to the podcast will now hear what Rav Schwab said. And they're going to, like you said, they won't be able to unthink the connection between Balfour and Balfour if it was so disgusting to you. And I don't know if I shared the same disgust that you did, but I definitely thought it was in poor taste. Perhaps by talking about it, just like all news stories, like, you know, like when, they, like when news tries to trumpet the negative uh, of things as if it's news, they're really perpetuating it because more people are talking about this negative thing. So perhaps the best thing would have been as Tommy Dechalman to just not mention it because yeah, it, that, that was the attitude of, of I think the uh, now there's a big scandal in the Mormon Church. So let's not talk about Jews. Mormon Church that they they uh, shoved all their abuse under the carpet. They had a special base dealing on the abuse, which covered up everything. So yeah, that, well, that's what you do with something which is negative. You try and hide it. Yeah. Um, but but not just hide it. Look, it's, it's, this is out in the open. It's in a book. I understand. We had uh, we had to make mechos against things which we think are wrong. This is our whole policy with Rabbi Victor Miller, right? By the way, I ran into his great grandson in Shul this week, and um, I again I was being Shabeach uh, Rabbi Victor, and and his great great grandson was named after him. So I was uh, talking to him and telling him how he has to live up to the, the greatness of his of, 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 of who he was. He was very he was completely ignorant, by the way, the great grandson great was of, of his books. He has not read um, he has not read any of them. He hasn't read even when I told him when I was your age, he's 13. I said I, I was very familiar with um, Behold the People and, uh, and and the other books that he was writing. So it was quite interesting to run into him and I I, I tried to put on my best face, despite the fact that, again, I don't, uh, you know, his Torah today, as we've said, is really negative and really destroys Achdus and Claudius role. And it's the type of thing that, you know, should be looked at, I think, from a sociological perspective. But you're right. But Rav Schwab is not, is not uh, Rabbi Victor Miller. Rav Schwab has currency in, in a different way. And, um, but I still, I don't know if, I, I, I agree with Gabe that, 
yeah, I don't know if this book was so important that we should mention it. How many people noticed that? Uh, so it isn't like it was being spread everywhere. Yeah, it's believe me, our podcast. Let's not let's not uh, be uh, so grandiose here. Our podcast reach is not going to be what disseminates this to other people and makes them have you know have a dis this the um, uh, crises of faith. But uh, as one of the people on my blog wrote, you compared Rabbi Schwab to Rabbi Miller, and uh, how the, the um, as far as not publishing every comment ever made by Rabbeim, Rabbani, you have made the same correct analysis of Rabbi Vigor's posthumously published books and newsletters based on decades-old private tapes. In my way, the highway attitude is not the kind of Ashkafa the room world needs. Especially approachable in this attitude is this attitude package in the Avigdor Miller for Children Parsha Sheets. Dismissive and rejectionist attitude towards people is not in one's self, uh, not in one's self-identified group is shocking. I think it's very well put, and I think that's what we are repudiating. Yeah, the dismissive uh, and rejectionist attitude. I agree, and as you know, in our very first season, I believe we actually had one of the chief editors of the, uh, the newsletter come on the show and actually uh, said a rejoinder. Listeners, you can find it in, if you take a look and you go on the, uh, the general uh, podcast platform or in our specific one, and you look for uh, Victor Miller, um, and I think you will find, you will find it there. And I think it's a very important response. Still, um, yes, I, there's, I think, a difference between... I like the way you're posting how they see him, though. When you meet Rabbi Victor Miller's great grandson, <laughs> you're magnifying how great uh, Rabbi Miller is. Okay, okay let, let me just sides of two sides of the mouth. Hold yeah? on, I want to no, no, it's not two sides of the mouth. Whenever I see a young Talmud Chacham, a bocher who's about to start ninth grade, like this bocher, um, I wanted to make him. I want to tell you what I did first was I asked him to speak about the, the Masech that he just learned and the parak that he just learned. <coughs> and first we engaged in learning for about 25, 30 minutes. Then I talked about Rabbi Victor Miller, because I think you have to be mechazic to young people. And why should I tell him my cynical view, not cynical, honest view of his great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, he should perhaps want to aspire to be a great person first and, and know about it. Why should he hear my negativity first? Um, and because, again, so I don't consider myself being Paseh uh, I'm, I'm always ready to, to, to see that new door uh, arise and to show them, yeah, us old fogies who are there in show with you, we like you and we're supporting you. We're, we're proud of what you're doing. Um, let's go on to the second point that Gabe makes. He says, Arthur Balthauer was making a play on his name that connects him with the Zara, seems neutral. Hmm, Okay. So here he's defending what Rav Schwab's musing, which one of our responders said was also done by the uh, by the Munkatra. Um, if someone did that to a, a Zionist Jew, I'd find it offensive. But Balfour is not one's Rebbe. And the Balfour Declaration is not a Tvarvashib Kedusha, to even the most ardent Zionist. So I don't think it's worth attacking Rav Schwab about. All right, uh, let me take this. <laughs> um, it's not about Balfour himself. Clearly, that became the sisma, the dogma of we can get Eretz Yisrael. So it's not about, hey, you've got a name that sounds terrible like a Balpaor. It's not about the Goy. It's about the fact that this meant, with this declaration, that we can see the Gula, or at least the beginning of a real Yishuv happening, of a state happening, that we're able to, after all these years. So the fact that it was connected 
to the guy is really incidental. As Rav Kook said, when he met Balfour, he said, Ashrecha, he says, you have the great schus that you are going to be an agent of God to be able to allow this to happen. He didn't thank him. He said, you should recognize what sort of wonderful opportunity God has given you to be the agent for this. But it's not, it's really, he's not Negea, but we know. Right, that, I, yeah, it's you make, it's not an issue of the God, but it's the issue of the Chefza. Right, and, and and that represents the idea of like it or not that Geula will happen, but that we're going to bring people there, we're going to save Jews, and so to take that musav and say that's not about saving Jews, it's not about a new yishuv, it's not about giving people inspiration, like it did even in the in, in the Machne Ashmada. Again, if you read Weisenthal's. Um, uh, reminiscence and other things, how people wrapped themselves up in Auschwitz, the ones that were freed in the Israeli flag and what it meant to them. So all of that, uh, I think, is, is, is dismissed when you connect these two in such a way. Again, if, if people listen to the episode, will hear that I was a little bit more uh, understanding of Rav Schwab in terms of the vart that he was trying to say. But again, that last step was the type of thing which I think the listener, uh, the person who heard Rav Schwab say that, was really guilty. So I, I don't think we attacked from Schwab about it. Um, that's point number two. Okay, Gabe, here's Gabe's third point. Um, regarding the idea that term Derecheretz doesn't apply in Eretz Yisrael. Okay, which is what Rav Schwab said. I don't like this view at all, but it wasn't his child. It wasn't his uh, chiddish. It was the opinion of the Maral Diskin and a host of Gedolim who launched their battle against Rebifil Mechopinus. So therefore, um, I guess we didn't put enough historical perspective into what Schwab said. I think that's probably what Gabe is trying to say. Why don't you respond to that? Yeah, but, but that's fine. Of course, you know, they're misnagdim to term Derek Heretz. But Rabbi Schwab ostensibly, we represent the term Derek Heretz, right? So if you represent term Derek Heretz, then, you have, then consistent with representing term Derek Heretz is the belief that like Rabbi Breuer said, the term Derecheretz is the way to bring the Geula, which means, and of course, the idea of the basis of the Yishuv Eretz Yisrael, as we know from that famous Chazman Soifer, is to be Miyashiv Eretz Yisrael. And, and the Talmidei Agoyin, who of course uh, were, were made Aliyah, and the famous Sefer Kolator, and everything else right. that's in there, so, which also indicates that in Eretz Yisrael we could live a way where we could be, we could actually be involved in derech eretz, right. but the derech eretz is on. Uh, right. So I know kindness. If you want to be from the yishuv by yisham, okay, I'm willing to say elu elu, but not on somebody who's representing term derech eretz. No, <laughs> you have to represent term derech eretz. If you're not, then you're a wolf in sheep's clothing. Well, again, we we talked about Rav Schwab's history and where he was coming from, and it would be great actually to have people from Rav Schwab's Shpacha or his Talmidim to be able to respond uh, in a way that was perhaps more precise about his Hashkofa. Uh, but, you know, it, it, when we talk about this machlekes uh, between Yechim Echopinus and the Mario Diskin, and of course we have to mention my favorite Rav David Karliner here, um, I think that uh, this is goes beyond the scope of what you said or what the program was. Uh, I, I do believe that Rav David Karliner is correct. I do believe that that cheyrim is something that is a yeah, clan. Yeah, I'm explaining what you're talking about. Okay, yeah, I will. Yeah. Okay, so Rav was uh, given a mandate to create a type of school within Yerushalayim that would, in a way, 
stop the Chalukah uh, situation where the only way the, these, these families were able to sustain themselves, Yerushalayim, was by learning what well, they learned, but they didn't get money for that, was pure tzedakah from Chutzlah. <coughs> there was a number of wonderfully well-meaning people who felt that what we need to do is, if you're living there, to begin being part of the infrastructure of life there. If it was farming or building roads, whatever it was, a planning, but there were definitely going to be the need for various types of, of, of umnius, of people who knew how to do things in a country that was going to develop. And therefore, he came to Yerushalayim in order and opened a school that would, I guess, almost at no cost, that would bring these students there and would teach them the rudimentary uh, lessons of how to work and how to be involved. And, and the teachers would decide where they could actually gain and be gainfully employed, so to speak. Uh, he was met with, if to say, uh, his nagdus would be an understatement. He was vilified. He was considered not because he was. They wanted to run him out on town on a rail, uh, and um, uh, they mentioned to him that there has been way before he got there a cherem that was introduced by Rabbanei Yerushalayim that there can be no secular studies in Yerushalayim. And by the way, that cherem is still in effect in many people's minds, and that's the reason why. There isn't, although there are Mizrahi schools where they teach Lamudei Chol, there are many, many people from our type, we would say, our stripe, that uh, would love to send their kids to a school where they would get secular studies, but they cannot. And because of that, there are schools like Marava, uh, that was founded by Rakshet, and of course the Yishuv, Chodesh school near Tel Aviv, those schools had the best students, and we've talked about the, the wonderful students that were produced there, but they couldn't do it in Yerushalayim. Uh, Rabbi Chil Mechopinus's brother-in-law, Rabbi Karliner, wrote a wonderful sefer called Emek Brocha, where he goes through with this, this typical, brilliant uh, analysis of the Rishonim, and he shows that this type, what it takes to create a cherem, and how a cherem could change, and whether, indeed, that cherem was taken as welcome. Rav Dover Kawiner was called in by Rav Chaim Oizer for the most difficult shilas. He was considered sug aleph in terms of lamdin, but yet his hayra, his achra here about that the cherem does not hold and the cherem shouldn't be effective has been ignored by basically all Klal Yisrael except the people who are bibliophiles and who know about it. But really, as we say, so maybe that is something that we could do on a, a later show, but I think Gabe has to understand that we can't deal with everything. And I think you were correct in finding it interesting about this sort of duplicity, although I'm not sure it's duplicity, but the, of Rav Schwab. All right, let's talk about the last one that we're gonna deal with today. And I, we're very impressed by the extent of the depth of feeling that Usher puts into this. And it's humbling in a way. Yeah, so, I don't know if we're, we're worthy of it. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Um, this is Osher. In deciding how to pick a topic, which I would like to hear the Rizka the Rice team discuss, I was extremely torn. On the one hand, I wanted to ask about certain specific topics and subjects for added clarification and depth. On the other hand, there's a general subject, which I've long been troubled by, and although has never been discussed as a topic on the show, I feel it undergirds the entire premise of the show. Deciding wasn't easy, but for selfish reasons, I'd like to go for the latter. The show Rizcha Daraisa 
interests people for probably a variety of different reasons. I know that to me, it sparked an interest besides knowing about the host's reputation in the broad selection of topics, while at the same time, keeping them relevant to the thinking from Jew. Topics that many feel cannot be avoided to someone living a thoughtful Torah observing life. Topics from social justice, abortion, Parnosa, to rating Svarim, and how to approach Tamatova. The hosts do a wonderful job contrasting each other's opinions and personalities while usually staying on topic and trying to give a practical take home as well. But perhaps taking a step back after all these episodes, there's some points to consider. As all the listeners of the show are well aware, Rabbi Kivalevich and Rabbi Bechavar, thank you for mentioning me first, have drastically different personalities and temperaments. After listening to many varied discussions and hearing their opinions on various subjects, one can start to see somewhat of a pattern in the thought processes they express. Now, surely this is to be expected and actually quite desirable for one to have a consistent, thorough outlook on life. At the same time, it can raise the central the question at the heart of all debate, which is, to put it on a more complex point simply, what's the point? To elaborate, the Gemara tells us that just as their appearances differ, so do their opinions. This would seem to imply that a certain core point in one's psyche, his method of approaching a subject is predetermined. As an example to illustrate, as is known to anyone who's discussed their halimut with Rabbi Bechafer, uh, that's definitely a big schuss, they are well aware that he, that he champions the Telzer derech. He's well aware of the greatness and depth of those who are pro the brisker derech, people who are well aware of the points raised in the Shuridas, and even so, we're not convinced to adopt the derech, or between Chassidim and Mesnagdim. Would anyone, perhaps some would disagree with the next point, but as a general idea, I think it stands, say that the Grod didn't understand the Hasidic Askhkofa, and even so disagreed? On the flip side, would anyone dare to presume that the Balatanya didn't understand the other side of the Machlekas? Okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. History always gives us great hindsight, uh, Usher. But yes, if you look in the letters of the Balatanya to his chassidim, you can see that he did not understand it exactly. But anyway, let's go on. Most topics. Well, I, I, we, you know, one of the limud on the gra is that he didn't. He did. He was told very bad things about chassidim. No, no, I, 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 that's on the other side about the Balatanya, yeah. etc. Okay, most topics that are discussed by serious people, topics that require understanding and nuance, are rooted in extremely fundamental disagreements about how to understand the world. And rarely, if ever, do we see people conceding on these types of ideas, ideas so fundamental to who they are. To clarify, I'd like to understand how to approach the very idea of machlekas when both sides seem to be well-based and sourced. What's the rule to creativity in Terash Kofa? Is one allowed to be creative in the first place? How could there possibly be disagreements regarding the very essence of what Torah is, what the world is, what the purpose of man in the world is, what binds us together as a nation and really as mankind when there are disagreements at such a deep and fundamental level, a chasm that's perhaps unbridgeable by design? Considering these points after a long season, Rizcha Daraisa, in which many wonderful ideas were discussed and debated, I look back and wonder, is debate in essence truly futile? Do we perhaps all live in our conceptions, a world of our own making? Or is there a fundamental starting point 
from which we can truly begin to discuss our world. Thank you so much for all that you do, Usher. Okay. Wow. I think we should just end the show here because I don't think there's anything that we can add to his eloquence and his uh, his understanding. But I think we I think we have to respond because he took the time to write this. Why don't you respond first? Uh, well, of course, uh, if anybody wants to understand the Yisrael Machlokas, I refer them to my paper on Elu Be'el Develokim Chaim, which I discussed this uh, a topic uh, in some detail. Um, it's called, called Mezulus Machlokas and Elu Be'elu, I think, if I recall correctly. So um, it is an interesting idea, an uh, interesting question, question of um, why there are arguments and why arguments are legitimate. We all know it comes back to the Chazal that says that um, that uh, uh, that the the, the where Kodesh Baruch Hu Sinai game and everything meant as Panim Torah, meant as Panim Tomei, meant as Panim Chayim, meant as Panim Potter, meant as Panim Oser, meant as Panim Mutter, and Kodesh Baruch Hu implanted Machlekes in the at the at the very uh, very core of Bria, the Bria, in order that there be very different strokes for different folks. So. Um, I think that that really is part and parcel of our show, is that uh, we really want to demonstrate that, you know, either because it's a difference between the two of us, or a difference between us and someone else, that um, there are two sides which can be seen as theoretic, and uh, even where we're vociferously opposed to another opinion, such as my opposition to Rav Schwab's perspective, or Rabbi Avigas Miller's perspective on one thing or another thing. Nevertheless, it's a turn of machlokas. It's not a machlokas of, of personality, not a machlokas of um, uh, of um, uh, of uh, of uh, negative character traits. Hopefully, it's not a kamtsu bar kamtsu issue, and uh, that is important. So, let, yes. let me re- let me respond a little bit um, to to Usher. Look. It's true. Once you get a certain age, you definitely become sort of predetermined. I mean, he's sort of saying he can guess on any subject what Kivlevich will say, what Bechaper is going to say. Yeah, we are different. On the other hand, the discussions that we have may allow us to move somewhat differently. If we didn't have the discussion, if I wouldn't be able to tell you what my sheet is about something, and I wouldn't hear from you, I would stay entrenched where I was. Now, do I move and become somebody different? As Rav Desra tells us, there's Nakudas Sabahiras that we all have. Clearly, the fact that I heard an articulation of an idea, although it might have sparked within me the desire to win, but it also, if we if we are Tayridika people and we learn sugis and we find the way uh, a shita in halacha, uh, uh, an abaya in a rava, and whatever it is that we have, end up being mishapech, we ourselves are able to be mishapech. Mishapech a little bit, not, not to do a complete 180, but at least to move somewhat. So yes, in a way, it's, it's, it's frustrating, especially when you have people who, you know, they aren't, they're pretty much repeating very much their, their mahalach, but in some ways they change. And I would, I, Usher, if you listen to the program, which was very spontaneous between uh, Rabbi Becham and myself, I'll, I'll say two of them. One, the program that we did last year on Nachem, when I mentioned the opinion of Rabbi Chaim David Alevi, Rabbi Yosef said at the end, you know what, you, you, you convinced me. I, I think I am going to say Shehoya, as opposed to 
That little concession is proof that we aren't entrenched to the point that discussion is futile. Things do change. How much they change, unfortunately, we, we live in a big, we, we have a big conception of things that unless it's going to be Scrooge waking up uh, on Christmas morning and saying, oh, I'm ready to give that kid all that money to go buy a turkey, that nothing has happened. That's not true. If we, if we stayed within our Dawadamas and didn't engage with other people, intelligent people in, in debate, we would probably never grow. Even though the amount that we're growing sounds like it's only incremental, but it's subtle and it's important. And, and I think that's really the point. Uh, that's, that's Aleph. Uh, and, and, and therefore, to, to not, especially, let's say it even better, Many people have, 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 I didn't mention this, but many people have called, they didn't write in, and they said to me, you know what I like about you in, 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 in the Yosef Gabriel show? You argue, you, you insult, but you can tell that you like each other. You can tell that at the end, you're laughing. You're both laughing. The, the fact is, is that when we model debate or differences, and we show that it doesn't have to rip us apart, that itself, I think, can help people in terms of, 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 of how to talk. Yes, you're right. The guy next to you is quote, you know, quoting Dickens again in the beginning of A Tale of Two Cities when he talks about the fact in the second chapter, I believe, when he goes into a whole uh, lecture about how we never know what's in the heart of another person. Yes, you're right. That person is always going to be that person and not you. And in some ways, you're never going to be able to penetrate what he's about and how to change it. On the other hand, when you model, and hopefully we do this on Rizla, how to talk, how to debate, how to argue, how to laugh and shtach each other in a way, and then say good shabbos to each other at the end, and then get ready for the, you know, and, and, and be involved, that itself, I think, is, 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 is a value. And that value would not be there if all you would do is go to shul and sit in the corner and not talk to that guy who you have a different opinion of, because, yeah, well, I'm not going to change his opinion anyway. The only, reason, the only reason they think that we argue is because they have, weren't the Skokie-based Medrash in the 1990s. Oh, that was Had they right. been there, they would have seen what real arguments are. Yes, well, we were much younger and uh, on less medication at the time, and therefore, <laughs> <laughs> therefore, that would have been, that was the, that was a tornado sometimes. And look, you know, I think, I think part of our arguing there was our frustration with where we were. You know, again, you have to realize arguments many times are not always about the topic that we're talking about. It's, it, it, when people are really mad in their arguments, usually they're channeling something else that they have, and they've used this point. And I think that's in our 60s, and welcome to the club as I was, we are able to basically not use the points of argument as cudgels to get out uh, you know, our anger with each other, or our anger about our frustration about something else. But I think what, you know, Usher, do not give up. You know, Usher, you're a thoughtful guy. You're somebody, and I hope you're reflective of all our listeners. And to tell you that, and, and keep on the debate, you know, have the discussion. You're right. Look, if it's going to just end up with you hold like you hold, and I hold what I hold, then it's better to just sit and learn and, and, and do another sugya and, 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 and do another taisus, et cetera. But if you're, but realize as a social human being, the Rabbani Shalom put our nisham in this to be a ruach mamalua. And that's not just to say, oh, here's your change. That's not just to say, oh, can I have that seat? When we talk about 
the nishmas of Ruach Chaim, it's talking about engaging in these type of discussions and being able to articulate who you are. And obviously, you know, <laughs> we talked last week about the about the relationship of Ish Ishtai and us the Rabbanishim. We have to be able to say to the Rabbanishim as well, even on Tishavov, as the Rub says, as the Salvatric says, we can have tainus on the Rabbanishim on Tishavov. We can be, we can say what we're what we're angry about. We can say this is not right, and we can say it in strident language because we're dealing with. We know the Rabbanishim loves us, and I think that that really, in a way, is something that you should continue to do. What I would say also is, is that if, if this is true of what you're saying, that our program is, is, is filling an important need for people like you, who are B'nai Torah, but who realize that these questions about social justice and abortion and Parnassah, we can't just ignore them. Then Rabbi Yosef and I, going back to our first thing we talked about, we're going to, I think I will commit myself to do a, a, at least a, a good job preparing and hopefully being a place where can reflect the subjects that mean a lot to you. And I think both Rabbi Yosef and I, we, we sometimes think about, oh, what are we going to talk about? Let us know, right? Yeah. If, look, it, it, we are humbled, if that is possible, by this uh, role that it sounds like you are giving us. And if we could be that, as I said before about giving Chizik to Victor Miller's uh, great-grandson, we're always ready to give chizuk uh, to the Dora Chodosh and even to the door that's older than us. So, my friends, um, hopefully, we are going to be taking a couple of weeks off over here and uh, take advantage of all the programs, not only other programs, but especially Risk the Rights and other programs for these couple of weeks. Um, we'll catch you. What do you say, Rabbi Yosef? Uh, El? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. All right. We'll be back, my friends. And okay. take care, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.